Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. What is nothing? Hey, now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. If you're new to the show, you may have watched my Netflix special and you're here and I'm so happy you've joined me because uh, you've joined, you've joined the revolution. I'm just kidding. It's not a revolution, but, uh, but today it will be a little bit of a revolutionary theme. I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'm talking about subversion. I'm talking about not being uh, put into a box. Um, and what does that mean? It means you might be born in a particular form, gender, color, size, shape, space alien race. I'm going to talk about that. How does that shit get started in society and how do we get out of it? But first, some business. Okay, go to Christina P. Online. You will see I'm, I'm working on my 2018 dates right now. I'm going to start going out maybe in uh, maybe in January taking a little break while the special airs. If you haven't seen my Netflix special, what are you waiting for? Press pause. Go watch Mother Inferior on Netflix right now. Watch it and then tell your friends to watch it. And uh, and then uh, go to my website, that's deepropodcast.com. And uh, if you're doing your Amazon shopping, 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 for the holidays, go ahead and use my banner. Uh, it's so much better than traveling with packages and then having TSA go through all of them. It's terrible. So just like why not mail the package to uh, the person's house that you're going to? It's like so much easier, dude. So much easier. Yeah. Okay. Dates. That. Check out your mom's house. Your mom's house. Okay. Let's get into it. I'm so fired up for this uh, this episode. I I really uh, I'm real stoked to get into it, guys. I missed you. I feel like I feel like it's been a, a long time. It hasn't. It's been like a week. Okay, let's get into it. I'm gonna play the Ramones.
Um, hi, welcome to That's Deep Bro. Thank you for watching this episode on YouTube. Thank you for downloading. Uh, it's a very exciting week for me. Um, I record this episode, uh, you know, a little in advance. So by the time this airs, it'll be old news. But this is the week my special dropped. My dro- dropped. Like I'm like a hip hop artist. My special debuted on Netflix and very exciting. Um, very awesome. Very overwhelmingly positive response. Um, not, I'm not used to that much uh, approval. So um, having to go through it in therapy and uh, figure that out. But uh, it's been it's been fucking great. And I feel very, I'm very grateful for everybody who's watched it. So thank you for watching. And all the lovely tweets and emails I've been getting, I really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, so fucking great. Mother Inferior on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Tell your friends to watch it. And, uh, yeah, man, big fucking week. So it got me to thinking I, I, I did Joe Rogan's podcast last week as well. And, uh, Joe and I got into a discussion on like, uh, male feminists, which is funny because he was like, I, what, what is a guy who's a feminist? And, um, and I think at some point I was, I like threw up my arms and I was like, I don't even know what I am anymore. I don't even know. I don't care. God damn it. Like, I'm just trying, I'm just me. I'm just, um, I'm over it. Like I'm over everything that society uh, has told me to be. And I, I got this email from a millennial who wrote in, uh, this person writes in, uh, okay. Uh, 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 they, she liked my very, my special, very complimentary. And then writes in as a new 30 year old and technical millennial, I feel the weight of millennial baggage in the professional world without the requisite formative experience. It's all, it's all kind of a bag of dicks. I grew up a bit poor and also with an actual insane mother and a childhood fraught with unnecessary baggage. I had no idea what the hell Wi-Fi was. <laughs> All right. So this, this girl writes, half of the things you spoke about resonated in my memory, but the experience of the privileged millennial unfortunately did not. I know it's just a product of the time I existed as a small person in the world's history and my personal circumstance, but the feeling of being put into a box that doesn't fit still remains. I grew up without internet and was old enough to watch road rules. If my aunt who somehow had cable paid attention to content warnings, <laughs> or, uh, but anyway, she says she remembers Theo Vaughn and I thank you very much. That's old school, old reference, 1990s, 1997. Is that fucking, is that when I was on Road Rules? Holy cow. It feels like an eternity ago. If you want to see something funny, um, go ahead and watch Miss Christina P as a 20-year-old on Road Rules. Holy shit. Boy, did I thought I was really fucking cool back then. So she she goes on to write, I also served in America's longest running and millennial sponsored war in Afghanistan. Yes, you guys did. What a fucking bummer that is. Yikes. I... Yeah, I fucking have so much respect for anybody that um, steps on an IED for this country. Holy moly. So she writes, as a comedian that's changed and distorted the boundaries of many metaphorical boxes pointed upon you, I would like to know your thoughts about being put into a box by society 
an industry, a culture, a sex, or anything else. You've pushed through so much. I really value your opinion. A great bit of it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, thank you, Ashley, for your question. And uh, well, I'd say you've already pushed through some boxes. So, uh, fighting in the military as a woman is probably one of the hardest things I can imagine doing. Um, <laughs> so hard. Um, but I will say. Uh, at least as a comedian, that I have faith in the comedy audiences because of the millennials, because of you guys who were raised watching Sarah Silverman or Lisa Lampanelli or Chelsea Handler or any of the number of women um, grew up watching Roseanne who who grew up, it was normal to watch women telling jokes. So I've watched the audiences change. I've watched the audiences, at least when I started 14 years ago, I go and it was just like a row of, of, you know, of, of, of people with their arms crossed. Like, why are you talking? Why are you talking? Stop talking. (laughs) I, I remember I, I mean, I would literally go on stage, um, and have people do the, the jokey, like show us your tits stuff. You know, it was really bad. And then there were the gigs that were like, you know, the blues brothers, it's a really old movie reference, like behind chicken wire kind of people throwing beer bottles at you so but the the male comics go through that shit too not the show me your tits part but you know we all go through stuff to become stand-up comedians but i think what you're saying is like hey i'm I'm a millennial but i'm not because i didn't grow up with wi-fi i didn't grow up as a privileged millennial right and that's the assumption that all millennials are privileged well at least within the realm of my you know stand-up comedy hour that is half truth and just whatever it's comedy it's not really real um but you're saying the assumption is that millennials are this way and and you in fact did not grow up that way and and to some extent that makes you maybe feel fucked up right uh less than anyway weird and i think that everybody every human being on this planet if you're awake if you're conscious if you're fucking enlightened in any way shape or form you felt that there's uh, a glitch in the matrix. Um, I think if you're if you're awake and alive, you felt like hey, this isn't. Wait, what? What do you mean? I have to. At least for me, it was little stuff like I, I little stuff. And this is not to shit on people that do any of the following behaviors. I'm about to um, just like list. It's not that, but just for me personally, it was like wait. Why do I have to wear shoes with like a thing on the on the heel that'll hoist my leg into the air, but at an uneven way such that my toes will be pushing into the shoe and that hurts and that really hurts. I can't wear high heels. It's something like I admire the women who can. I think it looks amazing on women. To me, I could not. I I couldn't figure out how to get past the physical pain of it and the torture of it um, to make that work. So that's like a small cosmetic thing, right? There's that there's that kind of shit where you just go like, nah, it's not for me. It's just not. And I know it should be, right? Because that's the beauty norm. That's not for me. Um, and I think, right, you start to feel that. Like that's, that's not for me. I don't know why, but that's not for me. And then you look for things in the world that are you 
And I think the biggest influencer of the box, the matrix, right? There's your family, the education system, your friends, and then there's mass media. And all those influences shape you as a human being, right? And it's uh, really, really hard sometimes to, to decipher what's that and then what's you, what's yours, what's truly you, and then what's them. And a lot of, you know, and it's like, I, I also don't think it's that insipid. Like, I don't think it's, you know, people say the man a lot. And I don't, I don't really think there's literally like a group of Illuminati necessarily seeking to make women feel fat and ugly and, you know, whatever. I think it definitely is based on um, selling stuff. I think especially in capitalist society, most of the pressure is created by the advertising industry. Um, For instance, the whole perfect mom, uh, perfect mom myth came out of celebrity magazines from like the 90s, right? Or late 80s, 90s. Uh, All of a sudden they discovered that they could sell a lot more magazines if this hot celebrity lady, whoever was popular, would put her kid on her lap and then take the picture of the cover of the magazine. And like all of a sudden that sells more because then the moms go, oh my gosh, yeah, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, that's the thing. And now all of a sudden we start comparing ourselves to celebrity moms. Now, celebrity moms generally don't, have, you know, they have a lot more resources than quote regular moms, right? They've got trainers, nutritionists, I don't know how many full-time nannies and stuff. And so like the article will make this mother look perfect. Like, of course, you know, this mom's perfectly in shape, skinny, has time to do everything. Well, yeah, because they have a different life than you. And so the reality is distorted, right? Reality becomes what the image is and not the, the reality is. And anyways, the point being, uh, I think there's an awakening process that happens for people usually in their twenties, right? That's usually when you start to look around and you're like, fucking wait, what? This is bullshit. (laughs) Huh? What do you mean I can't do this? Or what do you mean? Wait, why is that guy doing that? And that guy can't wait, huh? What? Oh, 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 the system is bullshit. Oh, these things called countries. Um, passports, bullshit, right? Uh, these are all human-made const- constructs. Um, laws change throughout time. Morality changes throughout time. Ethics change throughout time. Nor is it morals that are timeless. Ethics change. Morals are timeless. Murder is probably never going to be considered uh, <laughs> a value, like you know, murdering your brother or whatever. Mm. unless you have good cause but so oh big snore from thief you start to realize that shit is man-made and it's all bullshit and it's it's nothing to do with you and um and it kind of creeps i mean for me it, it really creeped up when i became mom just because i think the i didn't i didn't the expectations i had on myself were what i saw on television and what i saw like what I thought other people were doing with their kids. And then I'd be like, that's not, no, that's not what I'm, I can't do that. Like, that's not. (laughs) And I, and also too, in show business, like, um, at least in comedy, I was told very, very early, like 
uh, don't don't do smart material. You should be. I was told by a club owner um, that I was attractive and that I shouldn't be talking about smart things. I should dumb down my act and and be like a dumb blonde girl. Um, and I was told that a lot, actually, uh, more than once I was told that I should dumb down my stuff because nobody, um, nobody would get it or like it. Uh, so that was fun. And then, um, (laughs) oh, and then I was told I should dress more provocatively. That was another, uh, big one. I heard so much in my career is that like, you know, you're like, you're a hot girl. You should dress, you should show it off. I was told to, um, show my boobs off like a hundred million times in my career. (laughs) And I can't tell you, I can't tell you that by the way, just if I'm being honest that I didn't try these things actually, because I thought, well, you know what, maybe that person does know more than me and maybe I should try it. And I'll tell you what happened is that you put on these other ideas and stuff and you can fake it for a minute, right? You can fake it for an amount of time. And then what happens is it just, it starts to erode your spirit. Like it starts to fucking break you down and it doesn't fit. And that's why everyone always says stuff like, you know, you got to do you bro. Right. To quote the Jersey shore. Um, because it's, it's fucking wisdom. Polly D wisdom. You got to do you bro. Because doing, um, doing what other people want you to do. It's like, it's such a short, it's a short game. And also because, um, you'll never, you're going to end up trying to please everybody. And there's no such thing, you know, there's no such thing. And, and I think the biggest thing is why, why people don't follow their own, whatever instinct on stuff is because you're afraid of people not liking you, uh, uh, afraid of disapproval, which is a very natural normal thing. I mean, why would you want your family to disapprove of you or your tribe to disapprove of you? That's why a lot of people stay small, right? If we play it small, if I don't take up too much space, if I don't, if I'm not loud, if I'm not loud and if I'm not uh, too crass, if I'm not too whatever, um, I won't take up space and make waves and then I won't attract any negative attention and I'll just stay safe and small and this and that. But some of us are not meant to be quiet. Some of us are meant to uh, fucking put a brick through it. And um, and yeah, and if you're meant to put a fucking brick through it, that's you got to follow through. Because let me tell you, and I say this on the show a lot, you're going to fucking die. You're going to be dead. And every time I think like, oh, should I say that? Should I fucking, I go, yeah, of course, who cares? And in 50 years from now, I'll be long gone. I'll be fucking cold in the ground and nobody's going to remember any of this. In fact, next week, nobody's going to remember any of the fucking shit that anybody says. The the Harvey Weinstein story, is that his fucking name? I don't, I'm like so retarded. Uh, no one's going to remember what the president said that was crazy insulting or crazy rude or whatever. You forget that human attention span is, is infinitesimal. Infinitesimal? It's finite. It's short. It's so, it is just, it's ridiculous, especially in this era of the, the digital, uh, where the news is constantly being cycled over and over. It doesn't fucking matter. So, uh, so there you go. So, Okay. But let's take it from a more philosophical, societal um, 
discussion. Okay, so you've seen The Matrix, right? You've seen the movie, The Matrix movies with Keanu, Keanu Reeves, who, uh, amazing as an action star. I'm so, I fucking love Keanu Reeves so much. I mean, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, probably one of the best movies ever made because um, I do meet Socrates, the philosopher. As you know, this is the intro or the outro uh, to this show because I love fucking Bill and Ted. Um, but great as an action star, he knew, right? Who knew? Like he, he was great at playing like the dopey guy. You'd think like that's his wheelhouse, but then action star. And uh, so The Matrix, what's that about? Getting literally unplugged from the computer-generated uh, bullshit, the computer-generated program. And how do you unplug from the matrix? Well, that's the scary... That's the thing, is that I think we all have to unplug from whatever matrix you are in, in your space and time, in your community, and wherever. And um, and I think, like I said, start, some of that starts with like... Uh, it starts with that thought of like, but I don't want to. <laughs> no, is that Bartleby... Bartleby, I'd prefer not to. I'd prefer not to. And it starts with the I'd prefer not to. I have to look it up. In subtle ways. Um, I don't want to wear high... I don't want to hear... I don't want to wear high heels. I prefer not to. I don't want to show my tits just on stage. It's not for me. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. I'm not maligning anybody that does. For me, some some women, it's empowering. For me, it's just I don't, I can't take it. It's too much tension. Um, I'd prefer not to. That's really. I loved that phrase, and and I've I've said it to myself ever since. I'd prefer not to. And other people's opinion of me is none of my business. That's the great late the late great Wayne Dyer, <laughs> Bartleby, and. Wayne Dyer inform all of my mental decisions. I prefer not to, and other people's opinion of me is none of my business. So it starts with the I'd prefer not to um, in your life. And then you, uh, like the Matrix movies, by the way, the Matrix, there's a shout out to Jean, Jean, Jean Baudrillard, the French philosopher who I've done entire, I've done an episode on Baudrillard. I love Baudrillard. Uh, he came up with, he's a French philosopher and came up with the idea of the hyper real, um, meaning that there will be one day no real, real reality, but the hyper real, which is the constructed reality because all of language is symbolic and referential and there is no center, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think we're in the hyper real. <laughs> I think, I think, I think we're here. Um, and, um, so it's realizing that life is a series of bullshit. Um, a lot of stuff that has that's attributed meaning that has no meaning. Um, and Baudrillard, in the book, The Critique of the Political Economy of the Sign, I cannot believe I remember that. Critique of the Political Economy of the Sign. There was this book and he wrote about uh, symbols in... Uh, of consumerism, right? The BMW versus the Mercedes versus the whatever car sensible Honda. What is it when you buy a BMW? What are you saying? What is it that's really happening? Is the BMW necessarily superior in quality to that of a Honda or, or Toyota, whatever the car is. And he argues, uh, maybe a little, but ultimately it is what you're saying to other people. And what you're saying to other people is I belong to the class of human that drives the BMW. I am a wildly successful, 
Uh, yuppie who has earned fellatio in my car while I snort cocaine and, you know, whatever, drive to my cubicle job where I make a lot of money. Like, that's the whole thing, right? I'm not saying that's all BMW drivers. I don't fucking know anymore what BMW means, but, but that's the idea that you're subscribing to that. So once you realize you're actually living in a society that's run by capitalism and making money and, you start to see the players behind it. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it's money. <laughs> really, I think a lot of it does boil down to money. Whoever has the money has the power, and they they create needs and create bullshit. So there you go. So look to your heroes. I always, I, I think the way to get out of the matrix is to is to you got to look to the outsiders, the outliers, the freaks, the the death cats, right? You got to look to them, the crazy, the, the masturbators in the dark, the weirdos, uh, because they're like-minded to find your tribe. I always say that to find your tribe, right? Go, go to where the other weirdos are, you know, where the other unplugged people are fighting the machines. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, I, I, I liked punk rock music very early. I liked I read Lenny Bruce when I was 13, even though I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Uh, and, you know, for women, read The Beauty Myth by Naomi Wolf. Read your Foucault. Read your Nietzsche. To go fucking align yourselves with the, uh, with the rebels. It's, funny, it's not really that different. <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly. It's so silly, too. And if you do look at history, it's the same shit over and over and it's all arbitrary and it's so fucking dumb. Anyway, so once you decide just to live outside of it, it doesn't affect you and you can just do what the fuck you want. <laughs> the problem is thinking about what other people uh, think about it. <sighs> you know what I mean? That's how you get tripped up is worrying about what other fucking people are going to think about it. The external uh, validation, right? Uh, what's her name? What's her name? Allison Rosen and I discussed that on her episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Um, right. To stay internally focused. That's a very hard thing. I don't know. You know, what really helps me by the way, of just like not giving a fuck is not, not buying into, um, like don't, don't buy into the hype the uh the kardashian thing and it's not them it's not them per se as people i don't know them as people i'm saying it's the the machine behind them it's the whole thing of like you have to have your hair perfectly done you have to be perfect uh that's really weird because that's not how people are i don't fucking know i don't know dude the world is fucking crazy I just try not to pay attention anymore. I can't. I just, I got to look away for a minute, you know? I got to look away. <laughs> Fuck it. All right, let's see. Um, this next one comes from Caitlin. I'm writing to you today because I just listened to your podcast, with Allison Rosen, and really enjoyed your thoughts on external validation. I've been struggling with this and didn't know how to put what I felt into words. To preface, I'm in the process of getting my bachelor's in social work 
and I know that when I'm finished, I plan to go on to get my master's degree. I decided a couple months ago that I wanted to make it my goal to attend one of the top 20 MSW programs in the country. So I made a giant spreadsheet and started comparing and contrasting all these top 20 schools. They're all amazing programs, but they're all ridiculously expensive. I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe I'd be okay to settle for a quote lesser school. In fact, that's a very, there's a very good school in Colorado and it's affordable, but I'm so hesitant because it would mean giving up the goal of attending one of the quote best schools in the country. Your and Allison's podcasts made me face the thoughts that I was trying to suppress. Do I really want this elite level of education for me or to prove to the people in my life that I am indeed capable? I really don't know. Am I letting external validation rule me or is it okay to set this kind of outrageous goal for myself and go to one of these schools? Am I a coward if I chose the cheaper, less elite school? How can you ever truly know what your motivating factor is? Please help, Jean. Caitlin. Okay. Um, okay. You're right. So there's two fucking sides to this thing, right? There's some stuff in life that you pay the extra for. And then there's some stuff in life, like the Honda or the BMW, where you're like, I don't care. I don't care. It'll just get me from A to Z. And who am I going to impress anyways? And I'll tell you, I've been on both sides of the equation. Um, as a struggling stand-up comedian for many years, and I'm, I don't consider myself a materialistic person. I'm still not a very materialistic person. I was always the one to say to my husband, I don't give a shit what I drive because I don't fucking care what other people think of me. Nobody needs to think of me as wealthy or important or snobby or whatever. I do not care. And I still don't care. Actually, I do not fucking care. But, 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 but having said that, having been able to make a little more scratch over the years, I do drive a fancy car now. And I have to say, it is fucking amazing. (laughs) I love it. I like it. I admit it. I like driving a fancy mom car. Now, it's it's an SUV. It's a fancy mom SUV, but I like it. God damn it. I like that it drives well. I like how safe I feel. I like how it looks. I like how I feel in it. And to me, that thing is worth it right now. uh, Is it within my means? Yeah. So that box is checked. Am I extending myself beyond my means by driving that car? No. So, okay, that's, I look for certain criterion is what I'm saying. Um, Is it an attainable goal? Is it something that will have value in and of itself? Now, in your business, here's the thing. There's different, there's different levels to this. How do I put this? Okay. You have to look at the business you're in. For instance, I know in the legal profession, the school from which you get the degree, the school from which you get your degree from, the Harvards, uh, the Yales, whatever, the fancy USC, whatever the fuck it is, in the legal profession, that stuff matters. They go, oh, 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 you were on law review at Harvard Law. You must be extra special. You must be the smartest person in the universe. (laughs) Now, whether or not that's true is irrelevant because in that particular profession, perception 
is is such that if you went to Harvard, you must be the smartest. Not that uh, your mommy and daddy could afford to send you to Harvard, or maybe you are a Harvard legacy family, or maybe whatever, whatever your circumstances, it's kind of irrelevant because in that field, that's what people will say. Now, I don't know what it is. You're in psychology. Is that what the fuck? I'm sorry. Bachelor's degrees. No, social work. So I don't know what the snob, the level of snobbery is, I should say, in your particular field. I don't know if in social work, that community looks at your degree and where you got it from, and then they judge you accordingly. They'll judge your intelligence based on something so fucking stupid. Now, did I say at the beginning of the show that we live in the matrix? Did I establish that? Because whenever I hear people saying life is unfair, yeah, motherfuckers, of course it's unfair because it's established by the people in power. The rules are made by the people in power, the people with the power, with the money, not by the, uh, us lowly fucking normals who uh, don't who don't have that luxury of establishing rules. So you kind of have to play by their rules is what I'm saying. And uh, so based on that, that's how you're going to make your decision, I'm assuming. Uh, will it put you in crippling debt to go to one of the top schools? If so, and it's, un- it's not easy to pay back, um, I would say then, yeah, go to the cheaper school. However... If you make, let's say you uh, you get into Harvard, but you got to pay your whole way, and you as as a lawyer, let's say, and um, the debt is a hundred thousand dollars, which at the time I went to law school for two whole weeks, by the way, um, that was the going rate. You graduated from law school with about a hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt, and so the gamble is you got to kill it so hard in law school so that when you're out in the workforce, you land a top firm job. You know, you get that summer internship, you get the clerkship at the fucking courthouse or whatever, wherever it is, and that you're going to make that money back or the firm that picks you up will pick up the tab from law school. That's the gamble you're taking. So you have to take calculated risks, I think, when it comes to academia and such. Um, That being said, uh, I'm an academic snob, and I know it's not popular in today's culture to it, I know that it's unpopular is what I'm saying, what I'm about to say, <laughs> um, that there is the, the belief that school is unnecessary. I've heard people say that because of the internet. I can start, you know, an internet company. I can be Steve Jobs. I can be um, a mogul on the internet without going uh, and getting a formal education. Great. Go do that. Uh, that's totally fine. I'm not poo-pooing anybody that follows that line. I am saying that there's intrinsic value in formal education and going to the best place you can possibly get into and finding a way to make it work. I think it's, I mean, look, I got into college on the, in the skin of my teeth, barely, and, um, but I did, I did really well once I was in there and I got to go to Oxford for a year and that was like the best year of my life. And, and uh, as a human, as a person, I look back on that year at Oxford and that's one of the, my, my proudest achievements is that I got to do that. That was very rare and special. And I'm privileged enough that my folks could afford to do that. So that was very lucky. Um, but I also, I also got student loans. I also had financial aid. I also, you know, had a work study. Like it was a whole lot of things that went into it. I didn't just have a free ride, whatever, but, um, but we made it work because that was my priority. I wanted to feel special. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with the status thing too, by the way. 
There's nothing wrong with setting your sights high. If it means something to you, if it really means something to you to have a a nice car, a nice house, the education from Harvard or whatever the, you know, whatever premium thing. The other thought is, are you selling yourself short? Are you playing it small? And I know from personal stuff in the past, I've just played small and I regret it. And I've always regretted the times I've kept myself small. You don't look back on your life and go, boy, I sure am glad I stayed under the radar. (laughs) Sure. I'm glad I, I didn't go for the brass. I just went for, you know, the aluminum ring. Who, who can afford the brass ring? I went for the aluminum. The aluminum is just fine. Maybe in some situations, yes. Um, I don't chintz on healthcare, education. I'm sure there's a few other things. Food is very important to me. I eat good food, shit like that. Um, but I believe in formal education. I, here's why. What time in your life are you ever going to get the, ex- the experience of fucking reading great books, hanging out with other people who are like-minded, who are just as excited about ideas. I like ideas. I'm an ideas person. I got excited about philosophy, about books. Uh, some of the best times in my life were spent with my college roommates, uh, sitting in our kitchen, you know, smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, and talking about philosophers or feminism or politics or whatever, whatever, man. Cause those are the years that you're given the Liberty to, to, to develop your mind and to, to develop an opinion and develop your, what your worldview is going to be and what you're, what you stand for. Cause up until then it's what your folks stand for, right? You're raised by a family and then, then you got to decide who you are, what you stand for, what matters to you. And so I don't know. Like, and, and you're, like I said, go and talk about your specific field in social work. Are they snobs? And be really realistic about that. Because guess what? In, in show business, there's a little bit of snobbery. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of that. Like, who are you? Who are you with? Who are you represented by? Who's your agent? Who's your manager? Who's your, you know? Um, and that's okay. I'm not, that, that's, that's just how it goes. So once you know the rules to the game, then you decide the priority of how to play it. But, but God damn it, man. God damn it. I've never been impressed with myself when I've sold myself short. The only time, now the only time to sell yourself short, I will say, is when you need to survive. When you're in survival mode and you're working towards a higher goal, a bigger goal. Like, so this might be, I don't know. So the thing is I can't, I can't make it up for you, Caitlin. I can't exactly tell you, but here's, here's my thinking. If, if playing it small on a smaller scale, is going to help you survive. If you can't make the money back to cover the tuition, I'm saying once you graduate and in social work, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a big money. People don't generally go into social work to make millions from what I understand you're kind of doing it. Cause you're a good person. Cause you're a fucking decent human being who wants to change other people's lives. So you should be paid millions of dollars. It's preposterous that social workers don't get paid a lot more than they do or educators or, uh, you know, nurses, doctors, but even doctors, God, the insurance now I hear is astronomically high people, you know, they got to pay all this shit. It's so fucked up that the jobs that matter the most in our society, like you just, you barely eke by. It's so crazy. It's so fucking crazy. And then like the guy who raps about bitches and whatever, like that guy gets millions of dollars, right? 
Is that right? Does that sound about equal? <laughs> Is that right? Cameron Dallas, the guy that poses on the internet, he just shows up at a stadium full of 12 year old girls and he gets paid like a million dollars. But this poor girl is like, I don't know. Should I go to a good school so I can graduate and help humanity? Ah, I'm going to make like 30 grand a year when I graduate. (laughs) That's totally fair, right? God damn. Look at you, Caitlin. You good person. I love good people. I love it so much. You know, and I did have this epiphany when I was in the South this last week, uh, two weeks ago now that there are just fucking turd human beings, you know, no offense to, to, it's not just the South. There are turds everywhere. There's turds on my block, turds down the street, turds, 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 turds. The truth of it is, is that there's just good eggs and there's bad eggs. You know, one time I worked on a pilot with Stan Lee, Stan Lee, the comic guy. Um, and, uh, Stan Lee, he's Marvel, right? I'm sorry, my brain is just fucking fried. I was up so er- early. Yeah, it is Stan, right? Yeah, I wrote on a pilot with um, Stan Lee like a million years ago, and he's the cutest. He's 94. He's still alive, my God. Um, maybe I was, yeah, like 10, about 10 years ago, I wrote on a pilot with him, and he was an old guy. He's fucking old. He's like 80 something years old, and he's charming. Stan Lee is the most charming, sweet, guy and you meet him and he's very unassuming and he's like this you know amazingly creative successful comic book writer guy uh and um i like the hulk a lot it's one of my favorites and i said to him please tell me i didn't just fuck up and say no the hulk is marvel okay uh and i was in a meeting with him and i was a young i was no yeah and i was like uh i said to him you know what i like about your character stan i've always liked that some of your characters are just evil. There's no justification. You don't have to give like a sad, sap backstory to their evil, which sometimes they do in a lot of, you know, um, stories. They'll be like, well, you know, this villain is that way because of this story that happened to him and his mom got killed in front of him, whatever. Like in, in Stan Lee stuff, sometimes there's just shitty people. And he said to me, he goes, yeah, well, you know, sometimes Christina... There's just bad apples. <laughs> There's just rotten eggs. And that's the first time I had ever heard somebody say like, oh, there's just shitty people in the world. Like there's great people like Caitlin here who wants to be a social worker. And then there's uh, just terrible shit dog people who don't keep their word and who don't take care of their kids and, uh, you know, who do horrible evil on the world. And there's, and, and you just avoid those people is what I'm trying to say. You don't, you don't, you know, you try to help them like the social worker lady. And I hope to God, I hope to God, Caitlin, you can help these people. Some people aren't necessarily evil, just had some bad circumstances, right? There's that. And then there's just fucking turds, just turds, (laughs) turds in a bowl. Can't be helped. They got no goddamn sense. No common sense, y'all. God damn. I just, and here's another, for, for education, I think every fucking school should make people study philosophy. I don't know why this is not encouraged. What are you going to do with philosophy, Christina? You know how many times I heard, what are you going to do with philosophy? It's useless. It's so useless. Oh, really? 
Oh, really? Netflix special? Useless. Really? That's Deep Bro Podcast. Really? Your mom's house. Really? I have built an empire of fart jokes because of my philosophy degree. Who else can spin a tale about uh, 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 existence and the meaning of life and then tag it with a fart joke? This guy, philosophy degree. No, but in all seriousness, because you need to think. And if you don't know how to think, your whole life is a fucking tragedy. I've seen it over and over and over. If you're not using common sense, common sense, your brain doesn't work clearly and proficiently, you will suffer. Okay, let's do this. One last mommy question here. One last bro. This is a different show. This is fucking bros. Okay, so this person... Um, it's a kind of a longish email, so I'm going to give you the cliff notes. Do they have that anymore? Jared kids looking at cliff notes. Oh no, it's called the internet, right? I think the internet is cliff notes, mom. So basically this person writes in, this anonymous person writes in, um, they had a friend that went abroad, came back, and ever since this person has come back from this um, trip, this long time out, uh, she constantly shits on everything about her home. The people, her old friends, the traffic, her drinking has gotten worse. We went away recently for the weekend and she was bragging to some friends about how much she drinks every week and how she is a, quote, functioning alcoholic. And what's the age of this person? 22. Okay. Okay. So we're still young. Um, her drinking has gotten worse. We said that she's a functional clock. She's constantly going on and on about how much home sucks compared to Canada. That's where they're from and how she wishes she was still there. I can see her for three hours and she will talk about herself and Canada for that full three hours. I mean, I get it. Canada is amazing, but it feels like she hates everything about home, even though this is where her dad and I are. She has told me numerous times over the years that her dad and I are the most important people in her life. I'm so worried about her drinking because I really don't think it's a great thing that she is putting away two bottles of wine by herself on a Tuesday night. Oof. I've tried to talk to her about it in the past, but she sort of brushes it off and insists that she has everything under control. Am I within my rights as a person who loves and cares about her to be worried? I know she is an, ad- an adult who can make her own decisions, make her own decisions, have of her own thoughts and opinions that are different than mine. I try to keep my opinions to myself and let her live her own life because it's not like I have everything figured out. I'm not perfect. Am I being too judgmental? I need advice on how I should handle this or if I should handle this at all. Okay. You guys met in high school. You've been best friends. You're both now 22 years old. Okay. Okay. So she moved to Canada and then fast forward, she moves back home to New Zealand. So now she's back home in New Zealand from Canada. And all she does is complain about how much she loves Canada. Why am I in New Zealand? And she's been drinking a lot. And, um, and you're wondering if you have a right to be, uh, to interfere, to intervene. Um, okay. That's a, that's a good question. So two bottles of wine a night on her own, not, not good. Isn't that good? It's not better than it used to be. That's for sure. You know? <laughs> um, and I can kind of understand because like at your age, people drink every night kind of normally. Right. 
is that the thing? Are you like, yeah, but we all drink a lot. Big deal. Um, it is kind of the age where people do get crazy with the booze and the partying. Um, on the other hand, two bottles on your own a night is probably not normal. Um, yeah, I mean, look, um, I, I, (laughs) I'm not in a program and I don't have, you know, this is not my forte, but it sounds to me, um, your friend might have a bit of a problem with alcohol. And it sounds to me like if you're a good friend, you may want to gently suggest, gently take for her consideration, gently point out that she might have a bit of an issue with alcohol. Um, And that's it. And that's all you can do is to say, hey, I uh, noticed, noticed this behavior. Uh, It doesn't seem like you're very happy. I'm worried about you. And um, and yeah, for your thoughtful consideration. (laughs) Because here's the thing. The other route is like, hey, uh, you are fucked up. You're doing this. Stop it. It's not going to work. And I, from what I understand... It's got to, it's, you know, the change has to come from her. I mean, I've watched enough celebrity rehab to know that, you know, you can't force uh, Jeff Conway, Conway, Conway into rehab. You can't force, um, (laughs) what was her name? Amy Fisher to sober up. They got to do it on their own. They got to want to do it. That's the problem with uh, addictions, right? Is that they need to come to Jesus. They got to hit a bottom uh, from what I understand. I mean, I've seen it a lot in, you know, friends over the years, people I've known. And uh, it's dangerous. This is a dangerous age because this is when bad habits really start to kick in. Like I said, a lot of us drink a lot in our late teens, early 20s, very kind of like a rite of passage, right? You just drink a lot. And then either that tapers off as you enter the workforce and you go, oh yeah, I can't, I can't be hung over every day for my job. Like you, you just kind of learn that that's not going to work uh, societally for, it's not going to work for me physically. Um, and then you kind of grow up and grow out of it partying. Um, and then, and then other people really get stuck in this lifestyle and it gets really tricky. So she's at a really crucial moment in her life, I think. So in the meantime, um, yeah, tell her you're there for her if she wants to talk about stuff and that you're, you're, you know, you're here, you're, you're available, um, to talk, but that, you know, maybe it's time to, to give her some space, let her figure her own stuff out too because on the other hand like i don't know how it sounds like she's super annoying to be around doesn't sound like she's a joy you may want to tell her that like you know what you're not where because instead of just being like hey i can't hang out with you just be like i don't this isn't fun every time we get together you're only talking about canada how much you missed it blah 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 blah. um and i sense that you're very sad or whatever and uh you know you want to talk about those feelings Cause I, you know, tell them they're being a bore. You're being fucking boring and uh, annoying. And 
I can't, I, I can't, I can't hang out with it anymore. If you're going to suck like that. <laughs> I don't know. Is that too severe? Uh, but yeah, do it in a, in a loving manner. I would suggest, right? Gently suggest a problem is afoot. Um, yeah. And I, again, the, you know, unfortunately these things kind of shake out in a decade or so. In a decade or so, you'll see what's up. <laughs> so people just fucking keep partying. I mean, like, are you really? Dude. And then it becomes a lifestyle. Some people really are good at boozing a lot their whole life and keeping it up. But eventually that shit catches up. Eventually your body breaks down. Like you can't, you just can't rock it that hard in your 40s, your 50s. Like, dude, it's bad news. You're setting yourself up. Uh, for a short life because that's the thing all, all the crap you do to stop feeling and to feel temporarily good there's always the pay, there's always the, the trade-off <laughs> it takes like what if, what was smoking every cigarette takes like an hour off your life or some horse shit that's what they used to tell us i don't know if that's true but all that fun stuff you're doing all of it just shaves off days of your life of a good life i would say rather Right? Isn't that what they fucking tell you? Ha, fuck. I don't know. Anyways, um, the point of today's show, don't fucking listen to anybody. <laughs> That's not the point of today's show. <laughs> the point is, be selective of your values, your societal values. Right? That's what I've learned. I just pick and choose what I like. I don't fucking cares. I'm sure a lot of people don't like that, but I don't care. Anyways, if you want to email me, that's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. Check out my special on Netflix right now, Mother Inferior. Thank you for watching this. Thank you for downloading this. And, uh, And yeah, let's do this again next week, bros. All right, take care. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.